Hello and welcome into the Lone Star Varsity Podcast. I'm Mike Graham, joined as always by Brian Navarrete. And uh, this show is brought to you by the University Medical Center and powered by AJ Media. And Brian, today we're going to uh, flip the switch a little bit, go back and, and take a look at our Lone Star Varsity football super team MVPs and just a couple of other things. Talk a little football, put a bow on it, and then transition into a little bit of basketball, soccer, and swimming. And then we'll be hitting those sports hard in, in, the, in the upcoming weeks, obviously, with, with, especially with the basketball district play going on. Awesome. I'm excited to kind of talk about it. You know, these were released last week, um, you know, and we started with Class 1A. And kind of went on from there. Uh, you know, these were classification super teams. Yeah, and these these were uh, very difficult to to pick. Uh, and you know, I think there was one exception to to that. Uh, I think we had debates that went on for a couple of hours uh, with some of our other super teams. But at the one A level, do it all, everything, man. Trace Ritchie from Borden County, emphasis with running and uh, playing defensive end. He was a big component on that offense and that defense. If you watch them play, which, of course, we both did, you know that he's everywhere on that field. Uh, they ask a lot of him, and he delivers. Yeah, Borden County was kind of light years ahead of every other six-man program, I think, in the state. Obviously, they won the state championship, got near the uh, the 46 rule uh, in, the, in the state championship game, uh, and they probably would have won uh, on the mercy rule had they not turned to backups for their final drive that ate up about the final three minutes. And, and uh, Trace, it was so interesting in that game because he he really didn't do a lot. Nick Prohl was just on fire running the ball. I think he ran for 251 yards in that game. And uh, Trace was super happy. Trace was yelling at his dad, Trey Ritchie, the head coach at Borden County, just keep going with him. They can't stop him. Uh, and that's what happened. And that was kind of the nature of why we picked him. I mean, there were certainly games where, where uh, Trace was the standout on both sides of the ball. Uh, but one of his qualities was his leadership ability. And I think being a coach's kid, uh, you know, a lot of that is inherited. Selfless. Yeah. He's selfless. He, he was not only a great player, but a great teammate. His uh, teammates were thrilled with this award that, that he got. Uh, a lot of glowing quotes about him in the article that, that accompanied this. Yeah, what can you say about him? And, and now he's moved on to, to basketball where he's going to try to guide a team that made it to the Alamo Dome setting last year to at least another state semifinal appearance. And he's going to hop over to baseball where they played at the state semifinal level in Round Rock. He's going to be a big part of the rest of the year for, you know, the Coyotes uh, sports programs. But, you know, I, I, I think you said it best when you said, you know, it, the, the players were even happy with the decision because they, they see that selflessness. And this entire team, actually, you know, that vow of silence to the media that they took, you knew that it was a tight group. And uh, I, I think they were happy with the decision. And uh, I think it was a no-brainer when it came down to it. Two-time state champion. So where does Borden County go from here? We've seen this before. They they shed a bunch of seniors last year, and they they came out. You know, I guess talking to them, people thought that the whatever controlled them, like if this makes sense, they had a senior class that was the football grade, and then they had a junior class that was the basketball grade. Now that junior class became seniors, won a second state championship. I think everyone thinks that they're going to look pretty good. Just considering the uh, state semifinal experience they, they had in basketball, that they can get to the setting again, win the region, perhaps even the state championship. But what do they do when, when these guys graduate? We haven't heard a lot about the younger players. Obviously, there's a lot of depth on top of them. Yeah. Well, you know, rotating those players in at the state 
game, I think, was kind of the setting for what's to come. They want them to experience that, uh, know what is expected to at, of them to get there. And then from there, you just start kind of plugging away at the holes, I think. Um, obviously, this team likes to run the ball, so, you know, you're going to be looking for somebody to take over the reins there with uh, Nick Pru graduating as well. Um, quarterback is a big position on there, but I think more so you're going to see a lot of people being asked to step up on the defensive side because this team in the last two years, despite you know graduating those big senior classes, has been sound defensively. The offense always gets its, its nod of approval and everything, but the defense is the one that really steps up and does a really good job, uh, especially at six-man ranks where you could – you could you could make the assumption that this is built around to be an offensive game almost every time you step on the field in one A. Yeah, they mercy ruled thirteen of fifteen opponents last year this this past year. So yeah, uh, pretty good stuff. The only teams that survived were Jonesboro in the state championship and a very 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 good happy program that probably is excited that these guys have graduated. Maybe they can get back to their historical place is probably the most premier six man school uh, you know of the uh, Yano Estacado. Therefore, the state. Yeah, I think actually looking at Happy's roster, they'll be plugging away a little bit too. But it's going to be fun moving forward, especially if you can see this team continue its success with graduating two very good senior classes. But kind of moving on a little bit, our coach of the year, you know, last year it was uh, Trey Ritchie. But this year we went in a little bit of a different direction. Um, first season program, All Saints Episcopal, we went with Skylar Smith. Yeah, this is a tap six-man program that, that was just getting its feet under it this season, hadn't played football before. Uh, kind of like Borden County, they had a lot of really good basketball players that uh, showed up and, and formed a successful football team. They they won a title, a district title in their first year. Um, tap six-man Division 218 title. They had, a, I would say, a decent record by the end of the year. Went 4-0 at one point in district and advance to the state quarterfinals. I, I think, you know, when you kind of look at it, uh, in first-year programs, no matter what, it's difficult to get it started, and they've kind of made a statement that <laughs> they're here to play and that they can play. You know, it's, it's hard to take a first-year program and kind of do what they were able to do this year, and I was impressed. Um, all-star kind of basketball player Luke Stewart took over under center, and he did a really good job. Now let's just – we'll go out of order. We'll go to the uh, 5A, 6A team uh, because Quay Gray had a phenomenal year. That's that's our MVP. I don't think that came as a, a surprise to a lot of people. You know, he became a top 10 career passer in about two years' worth of work, uh, threw for more than 4,000 yards this season, and took a Lubbock ISD team farther than one had ever been since 1992, i.e. the fourth round of the uh, Class 5A Division One state playoffs. So it's it's – you know, it's not – it was it was not a bad way to go out, even though the season ultimately ended with with a loss to Denton Ryan, which went on to lose in the semifinal round. Um, yeah, the, I mean Coronado really established itself this year. It was the farthest Coronado had ever gone, uh, and I, th- I think it, I think that makes the teams that surround Coronado feel a lot better about themselves, like Cooper and, mm-hmm. and Monterey. You know, these are teams that competed with them. Uh, to, to varying degrees and you know didn't have the best performances against them but but they know that a team from this area now can can go to that round and is uh you know pretty close to breaking the glass ceiling even in that round I think uh 
they were really quiet about it, but, you know, Coronado was gunning for it. They wanted it all, and they definitely showed it, and a lot of tenacity. If you look at some of those games that they won, very close margin. This could have been a very different season, uh, but, you know, with a quarterback like Quay Gray and some of the other players around him, they were able to pull off some big things. And like you said, uh, now maybe the other teams in LASD have seen that they can get out of a certain round and they can compete with some bigger schools or, you know, bigger 5As, if that. And, uh, you know, it brought a lot of attention this way. You know, there was a lot of talk, uh, well, at least in this area and from what I saw, there was a lot of talk about this being a banner year for LA, for Coronado and Monterey too. But, you know, they they made a statement. And uh, if we if any Lubbock team now has a target on their back, you know, it might just be a good thing. <laughs> it's kind of interesting uh, thinking about Cooper and Monterey. Both these teams are going to have somewhat more established quarterbacks than mm-hmm. than Coronado going forward, particularly Cooper, which has Brendan Mel. They settled on him about a quarter of the way through the season. Really good quarterback, has really good mechanics. I mean, I think he's someone that could could be in this running next season and then Corey and Bailey uh, got a lot of reps uh, behind Brylan Lawson Young um, whereas Sawyer Robertson who was a freshman on, on the Coronado team looks yeah. like the air incumbent because he backed up um, great but he's a lot younger than the other a lot, a lot younger than the other players so it, it's going to be really interesting I know that Cooper's not going to be a part of the district anymore since um, 5A is getting a divorce and, and teams are going into Division One and Division Two for the regular season just like they've been doing the past years in, in 4A and below. But I think it's going to be really interesting, and I think ultimately we're going to have some really good quarterbacks out here. Corian Bailey from Monterey has a lot of speed and, you know, a, a similar arm to, to what Brylon Lawson Young had and then Mel, uh, just a complete package on the high school level. Is he another lefty like Brylon Lawson Young? No, he's actually right-handed. <laughs> that would have been interesting. <laughs> yeah, but he, he's about two inches smaller, maybe 10 pounds lighter, and he has a whole offseason, so we'll, we'll see. Uh, but I really liked Brylon Lawson Young, too, and he was obviously with, with Gray at uh, MVP. Lawson Young was able to slide up to, to first-team quarterback, and I thought that was well-deserved. I thought he was a really good player uh, and um, hope that someone picks him up. Uh, on the college level because I, I think he's worth that uh, good yeah, RPO all these, player all these quarterbacks you mm-hmm. know Quay and Brian Lawson absolutely yeah and and I think it'll mm-hmm. happen for Quay if, if he wants it and uh, he's got a couple of junior college offers right now might be the best route for him if if he wants to play division one everyone's kind of locked up at this point but you spend a year there you're an academic qualifier you can transfer out after your first semester there having played one season join a division one program McLean Carter the Texas Tech quarterback did something similar. Yeah, it's it's a path that a lot of kids don't realize is a smart move because they want that D1 offer right out of high school. And it's a longer path to you getting what you kind of set out for. But still, it's a smart one. You know, if they if they take if they want to take it be taken seriously or not be taken seriously, but if this is something that they seriously want, then that's a route that some of them should seriously consider. Then we got into some players who will be back this year or this upcoming year, and we'll start with the uh, the two way taps team, which I thought had some some pretty cool. Oh, uh, quick side note: uh, yes. Seth Parr, coach of the oh, year right. for five A six A. 
Yeah, Coach Parr, fourth That was kind year. of another no-brainer. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, this this is a program that really dipped after it went to the uh, third round of the 2007 state playoffs. I and mean, they, were, they were a two-win or three-win team a couple of times, and, and Parr inherited that. And look at them now, you know, third-round appearance in 2016, a fourth-round appearance in, in 2017. So uh, – you know, I think I think it's safe to say that that he's done a good job of, of taking the program not only to the next level yeah. but up several levels. Definitely. So, so then on to to some players that'll be back. The two way taps team uh, running back Nehemiah Martinez from New Deal. Yeah, I was surprised with uh, some of the numbers he put up, only being a sophomore in a district where you know. It, Abernathy was predicted to just kind of, I don't know, if run through the district, but we didn't really know how the strength of New Deal. We did know the strength of Abernathy. And here, here comes Nehemiah. You know, he played great at running back as well as at uh, safety. You know, um, big games, they put him in at safety, and he did a really good job. Uh, they ended up, He ended up helping lead him to a tie of that district uh, title, a three-way tie. Yeah, yeah, that was – we did not see that coming. No, it was – I mean, it might have been mentioned at some point that that was a possibility, but we it didn't really – it wasn't something that was really <laughs> there, you know. But he's also, you know, just a sophomore, like we said, so we can expect a lot of big things from him moving forward after a 2,000-plus season. And, we, yeah, we selected him for his running back abilities. That's the way we did it, one, one position and as a runner. Yeah, definitely took him to the next level. Uh, accompanied an athletic quarterback in Chet Whitfield. And there was an Abernathy team that had made the state semifinals the year before, and New Deal ended up ruining their perfect regular season bid very late in the season. I believe that was week nine, week 10. So, uh, yeah, and, and then made a good run, got upset by post, uh, which was another surprise. There, there were a lot of surprises within District 2, 2A Division One, and then in the playoffs with them. Yeah, it, it was kind of fun to watch this year. Um, but, you know, it, it was funny. Uh, you know, Nehemiah, he started a little bit as a freshman, and uh, he didn't really get the looks because obviously they had Mark Adams, who's a, who was a great running back, and then he steps in, and his name starts hitting the papers a little bit more and more at the end of his freshman year for his running abilities and track. He went to the state track meet. He was one of the legs. That, oh, no, actually he got injured, but he was one of the legs on a state uh, championship team. Uh, so expect him to be back and uh, maybe end up at that state tournament again. Then coach of the year, Chris Softley from, from Lubbock Christian. And this is a team that went to the uh, state semifinal round in the TAPS Division Three bracket. I think we thought that the Eagles could be pretty good. I don't know if it's even a surprise that they they went as deep as they did, uh, but but there were there were some problems with that team. There were some injuries at quarterback. Uh, yep. They got a little banged up during the season, and, and they just kept on ticking all the way through. And on top of on top of just their performance, really impressed with with softly and, and how he incorporates his uh, his faith in, into his coaching. And he's got a team that that uh, really buys into to everything he pitches to them. And I think that was part of their success this season. It- you always love those coaches who are it's not just football it's life lessons mm-hmm. you know they have they go they have meaning or you could just tell you know being around them that like you said they bought into it and i, I actually didn't know how um Lubbock christian was going to do because if you look at what they graduated from a year ago almost their entire backfield and they brought back uh hunter pinciniello 
and uh, Caddis and Rogers, and those were the two that you know we anticipated were going to have to lead, and they did. And now we were in the state semifinals. But from what they graduated last year to this year, like the level of talent, I thought there was going to be a huge drop off. But no, you had a lot of kids step up, and they were able to put in an impressive run together. So then, moving on to the three A four A team, I think this is where we had the toughest time picking an MVP because obviously you had uh, you had uh, Chris Gerber at Leveland, you had uh, you know a bunch of players from Estacado, Zach Estrada was a candidate, but we ended up going with shallow water quarterback Cutter Sparks. The turnaround that shallow water made, I think, was another big reason as to why <clears throat> you know I personally voted for Cutter Sparks. Not only that, but he was a big part of their offense. Uh, some of the things he was able to do, you know, out of pocket, in pocket, I, I think just kind of made him one of the elites out here in this area. And guess what? He's coming back. Yeah, and a very tough kid. I mean, Shallow Water was a team that performed well off the bat, which was a surprise, you know. I saw their season opening game against Idaloo. Idaloo's got, you know, it, I mean, it's, it's been one of the most successful 3A programs the past couple of years. Shallow Water limping in you know, as a two and nine team. And you're like, Ooh, man, they're going to get embarrassed on, you know, beyond statewide TV as that game was broadcast on, on Fox sports Southwest and, and cutter sparks came in, who was the quarterback last year and just lit up. I mean, he, I mean, he, he threw nine for nine in, in that particular game ran, but this, this was a team that endured some injuries on, you know, in route to a nine and two finish this year. And uh, cutter became more and more involved in, in the running game. And yeah. and he, I mean, he took some licks and he kept going and he kept carrying that team, really valuable both with his arm and his running ability. And I think we're both really excited to to see what that leads to um, this off season as far as college interest, and and then obviously moving on into the 2018 football season. Yeah, he's going to be a big component of that offense next year, which I believe returns quite a few. He was the the district MVP. He threw for 1,587 yards, 16 touchdowns, ran for 624, and another 11 touchdowns. And those are big numbers for a quarterback, you know, at any level, I think, uh, especially with the 9-2 season. But the way they run their offense, uh, it, you really have to know what you're doing under center. You have to be aware of everything that's around you and how the offense actually functions, and that's what Sparks was able to do. And Shallow Water was a really good team. And like we said, the turnaround from 2-9 and nine to 9-2, nine and two, that's no joke. Yeah, lost to Brock, which ended up going to the uh, state championship game and, and yeah. losing. But, uh, yeah, it was, it, was a, it was a good season and excited to see what, what they're able to do as an encore. Coach of the year for the 3A-4A team was uh, Estacado head coach Marcus Shavers. They had a decent run to, to the area round after uh, – Finishing with a district championship and a, a nine and one regular season record, uh, and you you got to see a lot of them if you watch the uh, the process, which was brought to you by the University Medical Center. Those videos were not taking them down, so you can learn a lot about Shavers and, and his program just by uh, YouTubing. Uh, you know something like Lubbock Avalanche Journal, the process. It'll it'll all show up, and we're awfully proud of that series this year. Yeah, I've actually you know gotten a lot of feedback that it was a good pro it was a good product. And this is from uh, people that I grew up with. You know, I sent it back home to Pecos, and I'm like, hey, check this out. This is, uh, you know, just just a, a series that we created this year and got a lot of good feedback. Of course, those are for friends, 
But either ways, <laughs> they could have very much tore me apart. <laughs> but it was a no-brainer for Marcus Shavers. Um, that Estacado program, uh, like you said, if you watch the process, it it was just impressive the whole way through. Not only what they were able to do on the field, but if you watch the videos, you get to see the things that they do off the field and why their run was so special this year. And it, Marcus Shavers was a big part of that. Now, you could have made the argument that, that maybe Brian Wood deserved to, to be here, you know, guiding Cutter Sparks and and, and um, bringing people. I think that he was a very close second. Ultimately, what was it, do you think, that that caused us to to switch and say, nah, it's got to it's be Shavers this year? I think with uh, – okay, so defensively and offensively, if you look at both ends of the spectrum, um, the team in itself had all the players, all the athleticism in the world to go really far. And it's he was able to own, hone that athleticism into a productive team. Because if you if you look in the past, there's been some teams that have all the athleticism in the world that can't exactly, uh, you know, win a game. But as a coach to come in and kind of you know take these kids who, you know, they know they're athletic, kind of humble them, and turn it into a good season. I think that was kind of the reason for me. You know, I just thought that he did a really good job with everything that he had and you know he lost his his star running back at the beginning of the year mm-hmm. he rotates in two of them which i mean they could have very much been in the running for maybe co-mvps <laughs> just with everything that they were able to do but i think if you watch the process it becomes a little bit more apparent as to why we chose uh marcus shavers um and brian wood has you know a lot of potential or yeah a lot of or with cutter sparks coming back next year he could very much still be in the running for this thing yeah yeah i I have him probably as a as a favorite for for next year's award and with that we've pretty much covered football i think i think for a while we're you know it's gonna it's gonna gonna be an emphasis (laughs) on on basketball uh soccer swimming uh some other olympic sports of course, we will circle back when, when district realignment happens next month and, and then get into it in spring football. But it was a good season. I mean, it was it was really good. And uh, I, I think that the Lubbock area is going to be better at the mid-levels next year than it was this year, which, which should make it a, a lot more fun. And, I mean, it was already fun with um, the success that, that Coronado had and, and watching Shallow Water bounce back and, and Estacado uh, make a serious run because I think for a while we thought that that was a – a regional championship caliber team and, and they're bringing back some pieces too so it's, it's going to be a lot of fun but i mean it's gonna it's a lot of fun in, in basketball right now we've got a lot of teams making a lot of noise what are you seeing uh especially on the girls side i think that the girls side uh is is bringing you know some heat right now to to this to the state level you know level and love it cooper uh, i really like roosevelt i know that they're not performing at their peak yet, ropes obviously at, at the 1A level uh, looks like a machine beating up on on significantly larger schools. What do you what are you seeing? I see Denver City being in that mix too. Um, depending on how they do in their second round against Leveland, I think it's going to be a good a good team to keep an eye on. You know, this first time around, whenever they beat the Leveland girls, they'd only lost once before, and that was to Lubbock Cooper, which that game in itself was a little bit of a surprise to me, but that's maybe only because I didn't know the strength of Lubbock Cooper. I saw them play friendship, and then if you if you keep down the line here, you just see teams that have gotten stronger since that they first you know started out because 
Friendship beating Lubbock Cooper was big because friendship's going to make a lot of noise in District 26A on the girls' end. Now, Lubbock Cooper turns around and beats Leveland, who you could argue is one of our best teams in this area, and then Denver City beats Leveland. So it's kind of, you know, all these teams I think are lining up to be state potential candidates. Um, it's just the, like, the matter of going out and finishing out your district slate now. But, yeah, uh, Denver City, um, ranked number 12 right now. Uh, and the Texas Girls Coaches Association poll, and Leveland's ranked number five. You know that that's a big jump, I think, for for a twelve to beat a five sometimes. But being in the poll itself, you know, means that you're competitive. Now, Ropes won the Caprock. Lubbock Cooper won the Caprock, and that's no joke considering the competitions you have to face the whole way through. Largest high school tournament in America is is the way they advertise it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, there certainly is, but. I saw a lot of good things from Cooper um, in that Denver City game, at least from what I, I could see. Uh, Denver City's got some shooters. They had five different players hit three-point shots, and I think it all came in the second half. And it's hard to defend that. It really is. Uh, you can get into a zone. You can do whatever you have to do to try to stop that. But as soon as you, they get that one look and you have the one that can pull the trigger – you're down three, you're down six, you're down nine, all of a sudden you're in a hole. And it gets difficult to come back from there. But I think uh, the Denver City Leveland girls game that's four and two weeks, no, two weeks mm-hmm. away is definitely going to get staffed. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and and boys are a little bit behind. They they stagger the seasons. So that way both uh, both genders get to play at the, the Alamo Dome. So the, the girls start a week before the guys. Guys – Effectively, everyone, it, it seems like, is, is hopping into district play Friday if they weren't. And I know that there have been a couple that have been in district, uh, you know, 2-3-A. But pretty much everyone's hopping in, and, and we're going to learn a lot about these teams pretty fast. On the boys' side, Shallow Water, you were there. Uh, you saw them in the Caprock. Mm-hmm. They got some height, and they got some talented skills. I'm talking Jet Johnston, uh, one of them. And uh, the other one's kind of escaped me right now. But uh, – they were they impressed me in that Caprock game. Um, I didn't expect them to bring back as much as they did. I look at the field and I saw familiar faces or the the court rather, and I saw familiar faces from last year. And I'm like, wow, they they were a pretty good team last year. And now here they are in the Caprock Championship. And the next thing you know, they're winning it. And uh, I think they're a team to look at. You know, moving forward, uh, and the Shallow Water Girls. Yeah. <laughs> at the four A level, I think Seminoles about to to turn the corner now that they. Gotten Boys, back there, yeah, yeah. Gotten, gotten back their their football stars, Cade Barnard and and Reese Moore, who signed football scholarships with with Army and Texas, respectively. They're back, uh, and uh, you know had a couple of weeks now. So we, Carter we Larimore, think, we think they're going to be pretty good after after <clears throat> last year's regional appearance. Jalen Britton, yeah. another one. Mm-hmm. They, uh, I think the beginning of the year was a little bit underwhelming because we expected them to come out and just pick up where they left off last year, but it doesn't always necessarily happen that way. You have to put in the hours and the time on the court. And, uh, you know, with Cade and Reese back, and as soon as they fall into form, this is going to be a really good Seminole team, I think. And how about the Matadors, huh? Another good team for Estacado. But then again, you know, Estacado always produces a really good team mm-hmm. under Tony Wagner. I saw them in the off season working out the basketball team, and they put in the work. You know, they're not just these talented kids who come out and can ball. They put in the work. They put in the time. They were they were 
doing exercises I don't think I've been I could be able to do even in high school I might just go play on the baseball team or something yeah. and, and they they're just a ridiculously organized coaching staff too they are yeah I mean it's 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 crazy like they they print out stats as soon as the game's over yep you know they're in contact with schools um like next level schools they, they yeah they, they do a really good job and then you know watching 4-5a which is about to get underway uh is pretty exciting you know the the new management at at Monterey and, and Coronado uh and then you've got Lavakai, which is showing signs that it's it's uh a, going to be a competitive kind of wrench in the thing and then obviously Cooper yeah well with Coronado it's it's a different team from last year, and that's obvious, you know, without Jarrett Culver. But I see a more defensively-minded team, you know, under a new coaching. But Well, you would say kind of a, a, old, or a familiar face because he was on the assistant coach mm-hmm. last year. But I was so impressed with the selflessness that was shown on the court when I saw Coronado. There wasn't any one player that was going. Not not to say that that, that was the, the case last year, but the passing <laughs> and everything that they get done offensively and defensively, I was like, wow, like it, it, this is a Coronado team that we might have second guessed without you know the stars that they had last year, but no, they're they're ready to play. And then Monterey under Jerry McFerrin, I was impressed again. Um, they play really good ball. I think at some point, as soon as they hit district, they'll fall into form and we'll see a different Monterey team. Not to say they're doing bad. I'm just saying uh, they, they there's a lot of potential there for them moving forward. And Cooper boys, uh, I'm not sure if I've seen the Cooper boys quite yet. I might have seen them in passing. Mm-hmm. but Well, how, how about Lubbock High, you know, the, the win against Sweetwater two weeks or a week ago? I was impressed. Uh, they have athletes. They have kids that can run the, run the court and – they do a good job. Um, one thing that was happening that they were kind of combating the entire time was missed opportunities. Um, some of them had, had struggled, you know, in open lanes to, to get the ball to the court or to the basket and complete it and get it in. You know, uh, they are a good shooting team. Uh, they're they're good from the free throw line. You could tell that they practice quite a bit, but. That one little element of finishing off, you know, your offensive drive, kind of they struggled with that a little bit, but still made up for it by making them to turn the ball back over. So that possession was all theirs. Mm-hmm. And obviously 4-5A as well as friendships 2-6A, they're getting underway on the boys' side in, in district play on Friday. Now we'll just do some quick-hitting things. We, we had the LISD swim meet this this past weekend, and then the LISD Invitational for for soccer begins on on Thursday. And I'll tell you what, I had a lot of fun at the uh, LISD Swim Invitational. So I'm excited to see um, how the Lubbock ISD Invitational for for soccer compares. I, I, I mean, I had never covered a swimming meet before, and I'd be interested in doing a lot of those. I had a lot of fun <laughs> out there. It's funny whenever the meet's going on, it's so crazy that you're just constantly up and down. At least this is how I do it. I'll sit out there and. I'm, I'm writing down times and everything to make sure, you know, I'm keeping up with all the information. But you show up there at 8 a.m., and then you're not done till about 3 p.m., and you're watching all these different events, and it's going so fast, and all of a sudden it's done, and you're like, I had a great time. Yeah. <laughs> like, that was actually pretty fun. And then Trey Hayes is a great coach. Uh, he helps us out a lot 
and things that we need at the meet after having to host the entire thing. You know, you'd yeah. imagine he's He exhausted. wants to go home. Yeah. But they, it, it was great. We saw a lot of promising swimmers that will probably end up at state. Uh, definitely take regionals. Carlos Nagy, Ben Adams, uh, two guys on the boys' side who, you know, I, I noted this in my story that Ben Adams was the last kid out of the pool. Mm-hmm. You know, he, he was warming down and just taking some laps. Everybody was gone. The place was completely quiet. And the coach asked him more or less, can I talk to so-and-so and so-and-so and so-and-so? And he said, yeah, you want to talk to Ben Adams too? And I was like, that'd be great. And uh, I didn't know he was the guy in the pool at the time. So he got out and interviewed him right there and then. But um, uh, Reagan Hayes, mm-hmm. another one on the girls' end who, you know, could make make some waves. Yeah, I, I think Labakai. <laughs> Had the best performance. I mean, this yeah. was this, this was a especially on the girls' end. Yeah, this was a, a top three finish on on the girls' side. I think fifth on on the boys, and this was an invitational that predominantly featured six A programs for, from all over the state. I mean, at Escocita had a present from down in Houston. Klein, all the Klein schools were there. Uh, you had El Paso. You had a couple of uh, extras from from New Mexico. Uh, and the only 5A out of, out of all this group, you know, South Lake Carroll, which wins state championships. I mean, I mean, you look at their number; they nearly doubled the point totals of everyone else. There were events where the top five finishers were South Lake. They Carroll had three finishers. teams, right? And they were still outscoring people. Exactly, like an A and a B would finish, you know, first and third, and the time differential would be about like 2.3 seconds for a 200 meter race. I mean, it was it was incredible. Uh, they were awesome, but but the point is that the LASD. Were the only five A's except for Mansfield Lake Ridge was the other one. Uh, so to finish, you know, top five among among that group, and to see that competition, well, that competition is going to go down the drain when you get to um, you know the the swim postseason, which which begins in, in less than a month. So you've got some really good forged Lubbock ISD teams. Uh, they can probably, you know, they they have the experience. Uh, they historically perform well, so so we're excited to see what they do when, when everyone gets through regionals and, and gets down to the University of Texas to to compete at the state championships. One of the things that you know a lot of the kids pointed out at the end of the meet, which I was so impressed with the kids and their interviews. Uh, even you had freshmen that were so articulate, where I was just like kind of blown away. But they always they pointed out that fact that if you look at who beat us, it were, they were six A's, you know. As soon as we get to the state level, we're not going to see competition like that. So my next question is, what does seeing competition like that do for you? It kind of humanizes the competition. Nobody's unbeatable. You know, that, that's kind of what the mantra was. And, you know, Carlos Nagy, um, I believe in the 200, uh, 200 free, he was less than a second behind the South Lake Carroll rival. Right. Called him a rival for second place in that event. Now, when he hits the state level, there's a possibility that he's going to take first because <laughs> you know, that, that, that was a yeah. big-time swimmer well, that he almost beat. And one, the competition will be different. And two, every pool is different. And three, you feel different every day. Uh, so, yeah. so it, I mean, yeah, it's, it's not unfeasible that you're going to shed, you know, half second, a second, a second and a half off your time. And, and that makes all the difference at high-level swimming. And it did help that they were hosting. That was their pool. They were very familiar with it. And that's one thing that Trey Hayes was talking about because when you look at district district and regionals, they're going to host it there at the Pete Regis. So they're going to know the pool. They're going to know the competition. And 
it should be a good one. I, I'm excited. You know, I'm excited more for regionals than the district one, only because at regionals you see things that that are kind of exciting. I mean, these kids will cut their times to you couldn't have it, it wasn't feasible at least in your mind till you get there. And next thing you know, over the intercom, constantly here and a new pool record and a regional record, so and so's time. That seems to happen almost every year. Yeah. Kids are getting faster, so it's it's fun. And and then just the emphasis this week on, on LoneStarVarsity.com, I think, is going to be the LISD Invitational. I think we'll do some some basketball in the middle, uh, but really want to get out and, and start knowing these uh, these soccer teams. Uh, and it looks like we've got some some good ones in this area. Yeah, I well, I didn't get to go to the full Friendship Cup, but I saw Friendship Boys, Friendship uh, Monterey boys and then friendship girls and coronado girls now friendship ended up sweeping the uh, the championships yeah by a huge combined score <laughs> yeah <laughs> on the girls in wasn't it 19 nothing uh you mean combined uh, yeah combined if you uh 17 yeah, 17 0 still that's yeah. that's a pretty big number natalie jones seven goals against coronado all trick game. yeah that's that i've never heard of that uh actually i don't think gary joy the coach for them did either he he was kind of looking at it and made a little comment he's like mm, i don't think i've ever had a girl do that before and i was like mm, that's kind of a notable but at the same time like, it, i wanted to make sure but yeah seven goals that's no joke and she it, just when you watch her play like a lot of those goals are kind of crazy when you look at them she was hitting them from long distances uh she wasn't giving up on anything uh deflections she was still back there she was ready to go again uh they have a lot of good players on that team. Um, our re- returning defensive uh, player of the year, Shadi Haney, she returns. Um, I've heard that their goalie right now, who doesn't get worked very much, obviously, is getting interest from and may have taken a, a visit to Texas mm-hmm. earlier in the year. I'm not sure. I can't remember her name off the top of my head just because, like I said, you don't read her name that much in the box scores just because – she doesn't see a lot of work yeah but when they she does see some work it's amazing how warm she stays um the way friendship plays is they and they made it a point to kind of bring this up is that it's not their back line and their their goalie that you know it they have a good back line and a good goalie don't get me wrong but the way they keep teams off the board out possession that's all they they want the ball and they're going to keep it out of your hands and then all of a sudden you end up with 12 to 0 which wasn't the first double digit win that they got yeah in the friendship cup now the boys the friendship boys oh with the coronado girls you could tell that there's a lot of potential there it's just friendship that entire team almost brought back everybody that they had last year who were club excellent players coronado i think I think come district time, they could be up there uh, competing for the district title. Um, they, they're they still kind of young. Yep. Won't if have you to look at them. friendship either. Yeah. Uh, they'll have to compete with some pretty good teams, but not friendship. Uh, the, they, they were just kind of a younger team. So I think they can get better moving forward. They got a good coach, Alistair Caldwell. I think he's going to get them ready for district. Monterey boys uh, struggled. Um, their goalie, and this is kind of uh, a notable, out of the box, he almost kicked it all the way to the other end of the field, and then waiting there is your forwards. 
So that's how they kind of tried to get the jump on people. Beating, being, beating people in transition like yeah, basketball. Yeah. Yeah. And he could kick that ball. Like, it, it was impressive. But the friendship boys, just like we talk about the girls being kind of a seasoned team, so were the boys. They brought back almost everybody as well, including a potential college candidate uh, at goalie, uh, Braxton Thorne. He's a four-year starter, and he is very impressive. Any shots on goal that, you know, Monterey attempted, he almost deflected effortlessly. But that has that comes with practice. He's uh, His freshman year, he was our newcomer of the year, and now he's a captain on that team. Uh, Magnus McSween, very strong midfielder. Um, Caleb Rogers, uh, Tyson Clough. These are all players that came back from last year. Mm-hmm. I'm excited for you to see some soccer because uh, I'm not sure if you've seen the way they play out here in this area. I, I have not. No, I mean we. Out in, out it's probably East. no much different. But well, we had we had a uh, really good Kilgore and Palestine teams, but uh, but that was it. And that was at the four A level. So excited to see the the higher levels. And and uh, yeah, can't can't wait to get out there and, and soccer. Believe it or not is uh, one of my favorite sports, so I'm so excited to get out there. I, I told this to every coach that you know I saw over there, f- soccer is my favorite sport to cover. Mm-hmm. It's, it's exciting, especially when you understand what's going on. Mm-hmm. Um, but and maybe you get to get out to the friendship complex. I'm not sure. Have, have you been to that soccer complex? I've seen it. Have not. Have not uh, been there. Uh, nice just, facility. Just doing doing football work and and then basketball and volleyball work out there. Been able to see it. A very nice facility. Yeah. Excited for you to see that. Um, but the LSD tournament is coming up. Look for the preview on Thursday's paper, and we're going to be out there. And with that, I think we're finally done. This was a good show, Brian. And uh, once again, it was brought to you by the University Medical Center and powered by AJ Media. We'll see you again soon.